0: Uh, so uh, here's my question to begin we're going to be looking at uh, at uh, Daniel chapter 11 uh, today uh, this is I read one note one person who said uh, this is the most difficult chapter to preach in the Bible uh, so I'm not sure how I ended up with uh, Daniel chapter 11 uh, but uh, we'll see how we see how it goes this morning Um if, here's my question to begin, just to get us thinking. If you could ask the Lord for one thing, uh, what would it be? And like, if God, if God came to you in a vision tonight or one night, like He did to Solomon, and said, "Ask what I should give you," what would it be? What would you ask for? Now, there's a phrase in our chapter today that I think gives. A great thing to ask. And uh, many, many years ago now, 40 years ago or so, it it did sort of become uh, my life request. Um, And studying this chapter has refreshed that in my mind. It's in Daniel 11.32. We read this uh, and we'll come to this again in the chapter. But it says, the people who know their God shall stand firm. And take action. There are some people who know their God. uh, And to know God, that is, I think, a real worthy life goal. Remember, Moses uh, prayed, he pleaded with the Lord show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Paul, uh, you remember how he. Prayed, show me your, no, I'm sorry, how he uh, counted everything as loss compared to what? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, knowing his Lord. And Daniel, as we know from the book, and I'm sure you've been studying, uh, has was a man who knew his God. He knew who he was praying to. He knew who he trusted So, you've been going through this chapter by chapter. Uh, Today is chapter 11. It's a chapter full of wars and uh, prophecies, detailed prophecies about uh, quite a number of uh, things political chaos, political, military uh, confusion, uh, and lots of details. Uh, It's not easy to know everything that this chapter is about. But the heartbeat of the chapter, I think, is that while God's people go through terribly deep waters, difficult times. Those who know their God will stand firm. The Lord is in control. And there's that great song that I've come to to love. He will, they know that he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. I think it's a Getty, uh, a Getty, I know they sing it at least. Uh, So as Hosea said, and this is my uh, challenge to us all today. Uh, Hosea 6, he said, so let us press on to know the Lord, to know the Lord. Uh, so Daniel 10 to 12 uh, forms a unit. The, these three chapters are the final vision of five great visions of world history that end up with the God of heaven setting up an eternal kingdom. Uh, I'm going to try to share a few slides during this uh, time today. I won't be keeping it on all the time, but I'm going to share a couple of slides. So let me see if I can share this one. You see that there? This shows five parallel lines. You can see these parallel visions, and they they all begin either in and they begin sort of in Daniel's time. Of course, Daniel is prophesying in the time of in Babylonian times, or in the time of the Persian Empire. Chapter 2 takes us from Babylon right to the uh, end time, the kingdom of God being established. Chapter 7, in a very parallel way, does the same thing. Chapter 8 focuses on a narrower section, mostly Media, Persia, and Greek, and it focuses primarily on this uh, great Antichrist sort of prototype, maybe Antiochus, Epiphanes. Chapter 9 focuses, again, takes us through this whole uh Range focusing particularly, I think, on the last period before the return of Christ. And then the section we're looking at today focuses on, again, beginning in the media, the media Persian empire and looks primarily at the Greek and Roman, uh, the Greek period. And then it takes us again to the end. Um, this, these, uh, this frames a whole worldview. By a worldview, I mean a way of looking at the whole world, a way of looking at world history. And we followers of Christ share this worldview that's in these visions. Uh, it's and we know that because we share it because Christ taught his disciples. He referred to Daniel the prophet. He referred to himself as the Son of Man from Daniel chapter seven, the one who would inherit. All the nations, uh, as in Psalm two, we share this perspective on history uh, as Christ-centered and as moving towards a climax, not a Hindu cycle of history, not uh, some other thing, but a a climax, moving towards a climax when He returns in glory, and these uh, visions particularly focus. If I move to another slide here, just to add something to this, you can see at the bottom of the slide, these visions of Daniel focus particularly on certain crises in Jerusalem. It's all trial, but they particularly look at, of course, it begins with Jerusalem being sacked and Daniel and his friends being taken off as refugees, uh, as exiles. And then in the section we'll look at today, there's a particular focus on the uh, the desolation that takes place, the desecration as Antiochus sets up an idol in the temple in 168 BC. And then there's an allusion to, and I think the Lord Jesus refers to this as well, when he talks about the same desolation being set up in Jerusalem and flee to the hills. He warns his disciples, so there's a later time. And that happens first in AD 70, and then it seems to me that all of these prefigure the final crisis uh, around Jerusalem in the before the return of Christ. So that gives us uh, a perspective. And I'll just say one or two more things with another slide about how we look at these things together as Christians. From a, from a New Testament perspective, maybe I'll just jump ahead one more slide here. From a New Testament perspective, and you can see I've, I've got a graphic here which kind of shows the cross at the center. History beginning at least in this uh, discussion with Daniel's time, Babylon, and moving on to the end, we find uh, what we have here is a a focus on that from a New Testament perspective. The key events, the the turning points, and these turning points do affect the way we interpret these passages. I believe Christ's death is resurrection, is exaltation. And then his appearing and his kingdom. These passages often refer to Daniel. The Lord's final message refers to Daniel and to this um, the, the the very visions we're looking at. And the book of Revelation is full of references to Daniel. And we are we are part of this picture. Now, some would say, uh, and I can't say that I agree with this, but some would say that. The church has nothing to do with this. I don't. I don't believe that any longer. I think that we are part of this process, uh, along with the remnant of of Jews, and that we have been brought into, which is what makes up the church. Uh, that's a big subject on its own, but I think this does uh, involve us. This whole thing. So Daniel in chapter eleven uh, looks at certain times. He looks at particularly this Persian Greek period. He then looks uh, at the end of the chapter at this great time before the return of Christ, uh, what we call the Great Tribulation. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes appears, and there's this big crisis uh, at that time. AD 70, we have another one, as I said, and then just before the return of Christ, we have uh, the Antichrist, the final, uh, it would seem, seven years of tribulation. In Daniel's time, there is a faithful remnant of believers, the wise, the ones who hold fast. There are others who turn away, who betray the covenant, who who reject uh, their Lord. Uh, They are not faithful. They are not true to the covenant. But there is a faithful remnant, and we find that same faithful remnant after the the, uh, exile. We find it in the time of Christ, those who are waiting for the restoration of Jerusalem, the the salvation of Israel. And we find this faithful remnant. They are the ones who uh, receive Christ. They are the apostles and the other uh, Jewish believers who, uh, who become his disciples. And they form the core, as you remember on Pentecost, of the New Testament church, the Jewish church. And then Gentile believers begin to be added in. And this is the mystery, that Gentile believers are added to this, uh, and they are become joint heirs. Uh, this is Christ's people. This is the church uh and we are warned about the end times continually and often in the language of Daniel so i'll stop sharing there and we'll uh, i have one or two more diagrams to go back to later but uh so according to our lord jesus daniel foretold both events that were future to him that is i don't accept the uh sort of more liberal uh um, naturalistic, uh, anti-miraculous dating of Daniel, which puts it after these events. Many who don't believe in true predictive prophecy and miraculous, they will put these events, uh, because Daniel is three or four hundred years or a couple hundred years, at least before these events take place in the time of the Greek empire. But we believe, I believe, that these are predictive prophecy, and that's the way the Lord Jesus took them. Uh, Daniel's final vision as I said takes us uh, to is in chapters 10 to 12. chapter 11 that we're looking at today is the main content it's a it's a word given by an angel uh, and it is the content of the the message uh, it has three parts to it there's a there's a war under the Persians and the Greeks in the first 20 verses there's a tribulation period in verses under and there's a tribulation under Antiochus Epiphanes Kind of focuses down on a one crisis there, particular one, unparalleled to that time in chapter uh, in 11, 21 to thirty five, and then there is a final tribulation under Antichrist that is alluded to and probably specifically predicted in the final verses thirty six to forty five. And my question is, what these what do these eras teach us today about knowing God? That's that's the way I'm trying to look at this. I don't want to just talk about Prophecy, but think about what this means to us today. So, uh, war under the Persians and uh, the Persian and Greek kings. It actually begins in chapter 10. Daniel has been praying and humbling himself as he's been seeking to understand. He sees a vision of this mighty figure. You looked at that last week, I imagine. And an angel is then sent to strengthen him and to reveal a message. He says in chapter, in verse 12, fear not, Daniel, from the For from the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, and that, by the way, is how we know God, by humbling ourselves before God, by setting our hearts to understand, to know him, seeking, praying, desiring to know and follow him. Uh, From that first day, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words, although he was delayed as you looked at last week. So this is the attitude that God delights in: this uh, setting of the heart to understand, to know, to grow, and humbling ourselves before God. The first thing that we look at, we find then, and it kind of begins in verse fifteen, is uh, and goes on into the next chapter, is uh, a picture of what is going on behind these warring kingdoms. And I'm sure you talked about that last week. The angel says, "The prince of the kingdom of Persia." which is a spiritual power, withstood me, uh, the angel, perhaps Gabriel or one like him, uh, for 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, that is a, a demonic priest. I'm sorry, not Michael. Michael, one of the chief angels, the archangel, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. So you have angelic or demonic forces with behind uh, these uh, political kings. And I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come, yet to come for Daniel. And I think parts of it are yet to come for us. And he says that I'm going to tell you what is in the book of truth. Verse 21. There's a revelation of events of the latter days that he's giving here. Ultimately, concluded only with the coming of Christ. And uh, it's called the book of truth. It's a it's full of. Warring kings and intrigue and, and plots, huge military campaigns, massive loss of life, uh, international crises, uh, refugees, suffering, not altogether unfamiliar to us. Uh, but behind the scenes, as they are today, are spiritual powers. The Prince of, Prince of Persia withstood me. And he goes on to talk about this in the the last verses. Now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. There's none who contends by my side except these, except Michael, your prince. And then in chapter 11, as we begin that section, it's as for me in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. So we find this uh, satanic An angelic warfare under God's mysterious providence. Why he does it this way, we do not know, but he does. We ask, why is there so much chaos, political nonsense, so many unbelievable wars, and so much persecution? Why? Well, it's not simply political stupidity. Behind it is demonic rule and angelic powers contending with them. Remember, we have to remember that as we as we read the news, that we have to remember that we do not war against, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Our enemies are not the political parties or whatever else it might be. Our enemies are spiritual, and we can only deal with them spiritually. So as we move into verses 3 through 20, and we're not going to read these, Uh, these verses tell the story in in advance. 45 verses or 44 verses, starting at verse 2 and 3, of detailed prophecy, kings, intrigue, battles, back and forth across the Holy Land. Uh, To follow it all and know what all the events are prophesied is is not easy. I have a a detailed chart, which I just uploaded to the chat section. Or if you can't get it from there, I can uh, send it to you if you're interested. This is based on number of commentaries. So it begins with Alexander's great empire, uh, which destroys the Persian empire. Uh, I'm going to bring up a slide here um, to this this slide here. We'll give you the first. This is the top of this chart that I'm showing you. And on the left, uh, you can see that I have the there's Alexander here, and then he quickly dies, and then he passes it over to Perdiccas, or he inherits it, and then Antigonus, or Antigonus, and then it quickly divides, splits into four generals. And two of those are known as uh, the, one is uh, Ptolemy, and the other is uh, Seleucus, each of them the first of the dynasty, the king of the south and the king of the north. And if we look at it in a, Map here was uh, Alexander's massive empire spreading from Greece all the way to India in almost no time. An incredible uh, race across continents with his armies. But before long, he died and it split into these four uh, areas. First, Antigonus, and then it split off of them into four areas. And the ones that concern us are the Seleucid and the Ptolemaic here. Because right down here you see Jerusalem. That's what biblical uh, history tends to focus on. Uh, and what you find is these two, as you go down through that the diagram that I gave you, if you want to look at it later, you'll follow a whole series of wars between this king of the north, which is the southern uh, uh king of the south down in Egypt, and the king of the north. You can see it on this map again. Which shows, uh, the king of the north coming down from the Seleucids and the king of the south coming up from, e- from Egypt. And they're warring back and forth for hundred, for over a hundred years, a long period of wars. Uh, so in this period, God's people are just trying, uh, to survive. Uh, they're not targeted in this area. They are, uh, they are enduring the fallout of war. That's not the way it is later. Later they are targeted. But in this period, they're not the direct targets. And today, we may not be, God's people around the world may not be the the direct targets, but we endure nevertheless because of all that's going on around us. Uh, and we, we struggle. We are affected by what goes on in the world, plagues or pandemics or uh, wars or riots or social turmoil, politics. We are affected by it. We're not unaffected by it. Uh, Many of you on the screen knew John Reed. Uh, He was uh, Dave Reed's father. He was uh, uh, active in the time that we were sent to Turkey from Terrell Road. And I will never forget one. It's the, I, maybe the only thing I remember from any of his messages. But he mentioned in passing uh, something about how believers suffer uh, indirectly. And he quoted uh, Peter, Second Peter 2, verses 7 and 8, He where it says, Righteous Lot was greatly distressed, suffered by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man lived among them day after day as he lived that way he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard and he said believers do not only suffer when they're persecuted or when they sin or when others sin against them but they 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 struggle with everything that goes on around them they're tormented by it sometimes and that is part of Standing in a righteous way and in that setting, still loving people and caring for people and bearing witness in a not an angry way or a condemning way, but in a way that uh, reaches to them. So that is what is going on in this whole first period. The other thing that I want to draw your, uh, your attention to in these first 20 verses is that there, are, there's a type of phrase that's repeated over and over. Many times, I counted about 12 different ones, and I don't know if I noted them all, but it, it talks about, it, it gives you the, the futility and the continual failure of these kingdoms. Uh, his kingdom, uh, for example, Alexander, shall be broken and divided. His kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others, verse 4. And there's an intrigue in verses 5 and 6. She sh- but then she shall not retain the strength of her arm. He and his arms shall not endure. Or verse 12, he shall not prevail. Great armies, great plans, great strategies, but it fails. They Verses 14 and 15, but they shall fail. The forces of the south shall not stand, or even his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand, uh, but it shall not stand. He shall stumble and fall and shall not be found. Within a few days he shall be broken. And at the very end of the whole passage, it talks about Antichrist. Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. And what's it tell us? It it tells us the futility of wars and human efforts to build nations even at times. It's not that there shouldn't be good efforts to do so. But ultimately, human governments cannot build a permanent order. The best efforts at these solutions fail. Just look at the way 20 years after after 20 years of the U.S. in Afghanistan this week. I'm sure you're watching the news. Uh, whatever you might think about how things have been done, the attempts to build a nation failed. And we are seeing a flood of refugees around the world. It's an old story. It's not new. Um, massive military power, but ultimately unable To succeed in doing that, these nations are like a restless ocean, and you see that all the way through this passage. Uh, We need to remember who we are and seek spiritual help and pray. When we come to verse 21, then, we shift gears. And this is the second section. This is tribulation under Antiochus or Antiochus. Uh, whose center was in Antioch, uh, the city named after this dynasty. And verse twenty-one sets the scene. And I'm not going to read the whole passage again. In his place, that is, in the place of uh, Antiochus and Antiochus the Great, his father uh, shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come without in without warning and obtain kingdom by flatteries. He's called. And if you read through the passage, you pick up what sort of a person he was, a contemptible, detestable, deceitful leader, speaking lies. He was bringing in the worst of human government by flattery, by deceit, by schemes, by promises of wealth, uh, with lies. He, in fact, acclaimed to divinity. Antiochus Epiphanes. The appearance of God. And he was the first Seleucid king to record his claim of divinity on the coins of his kingdom. Uh, He he chose this title, God Manifest. Uh, But he was also mocked because of his eccentric and bizarre behavior. He was sometimes parodied as Epimenes, that is madman. Uh, So he was powerful. He was effective in many ways. And yet he... He uh, ultimately was a uh, wicked ruler, and when he was thwarted, when he was put down by the Romans and hindered, he turned against the people of Israel. He uh, attacked the, the, the holy city. Uh, he took action, it says in verse 30, he's enraged. He takes action against the holy covenant, and forces from him uh, shall appear, and he profanes the temple and the fortress. And he takes away the regular burnt offering. He tries to abolish uh, the uh, Mosaic religion. And he sets up an idol in the temple that makes desolate. And here in these verses you find a direct targeting of God's people. Uh, And this also happens in our time. I'm not going into the details, but just to draw one lesson from it for today. um, This happens today. My son-in-law Kevin was—he just told me last night when we came back from uh, a trip. He said, uh, "Dad, I was on Friday. I went to a prayer meeting uh, nearby here in a church, which was prayer for the persecuted church." And he said, "I came away uh, almost overwhelmed—the degree of suffering going on uh, of God's people around the world in, in China and." iran and uh, africa and all around the world and they prayed for all of these uh over an hour's time um, and there's no promise that it will not come to the west as well in fact there's every um indication that uh, christians are more and more marginalized and seen as those who are as they were called in the roman day haters of the of the world haters of the people and that's it will not be a surprise if People who stand for righteousness and God's ways are, again, uh, called that way. And why is it happening? Satanic, demonically empowered, hatred of God's covenant people and the covenant. He defiles the temple. He sets up an idol. He stops the sacrifices. He forces the Jews to break the law. And it's only the the rebellion of the uh, the Maccabees, uh, Judas Maccabeus, uh, Judah, Maccabeus, and the others who are able to finally overthrow this. And I think this is my perspective on how this works out for us today. We have been joined to this remnant of Israel by means of what is called the new covenant made with Israel and with Judah. Hebrews chapter 8, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, and the Lord Jesus, as we just celebrated in the Lord's Supper, says that same thing. That you this is my, this is my blood of the covenant. this is this cup is the cup of the new covenant made with us. And so we become along with him as he warned his uh, first disciples, we are now the object of the hatred of uh, God's people. Uh, Psalm 2 John 15, many other places. So let's not be surprised. don't expect to be loved by the world or favored by its rulers. Uh, It's not to be expected. So who stands? Who makes it? Well, verse 32. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people, and let's seek this wisdom. Let's seek to be wise in this way. The wise among the people who know God, who fear God, will take action they shall make many understand though for some days they shall stumble they go through dark waters and some of the wise stumble but in verse 35 this is for a time only for a time until the time of the end it awaits the appointed time and why so that they may be refined purified and made white people who know their god what do they know about god well if i were to ask you now Uh, We won't do it since it's not really an interactive session. But if I were to ask you, if you know God, who is this God? What have you learned about God in the book of Daniel? Well, you could list things. He's the God of heaven. He's the living God. He's the God who answers prayer. He's the God who reveals mysteries. He's the God who rules and sets up and puts down rulers. He's the God who sets The times and the seasons who determines. He's the God of the Shadrachs, the Meshachs, the Abednegoes of his people. The God of Daniel. And he is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our God. And we should set our hearts to know him, humble ourselves, and to seek to understand his ways. And he will allow difficulties and trials to refine us and purify us. But he is faithful. So I'll just conclude with the section, uh, and we're not going again going to read the whole section. Just a couple of verses from the final verses, and concluding with the first uh, verses of chapter twelve, just to touch to tie it together. I think that the final verses in the chapter, beginning in verse thirty six, refer to uh, Antichrist. There's a king who does as he wills; he exalts himself, and this is the language that Revelation chapter thirteen and uh, Paul in Second Corinthians Second Thessalonians. To uh, allude to, he shall magnify himself above all of of every God. He puts himself in the place of God. He speaks astonishing things against the God of gods. And he shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or, or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god. He shall magnify himself above all. He shall honor the God of fortresses. Instead of these. Uh, We don't have time to think about it all. But they take us to Antichrist. They take us to the one whom Christ will destroy by his coming. At the end of the great tribulation period. And what does he do? He offers security to people who will pledge allegiance to him. That's what he does. And if you reject that, you will be killed. The details are obscure in Daniel uh, 11. But we see that they are centered on Israel and on Palestine, on the glorious land it's called, the, the glorious holy mountain, it's clearly the end times. And the first verses of chapter 12, uh, make this clear for at that time shall arise Michael, takes us to Revelation chapter 12, the, a, a war in heaven, Michael standing up, who has charge of your people, uh, the people of Israel, but the faithful of the people, and I believe we're linked with those people, and in, in, that's the church. Uh, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as has never been since there was a nation until that time. And The Lord Jesus, of course, refers to that. And many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. We come to the resurrection. So this is the end time, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So we find ourselves at the great tribulation, at Christ's return, at the resurrection of the dead. And Jim will explain this to you next week. Um, the conclusion is verse 3. And this takes us back again to this same call that I'd like to leave with you. Those who are wise, it's the same group, those who know their God. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars Forever and ever. Lord Jesus in his parable of the tares makes this same thing. The the righteous will shine like the the sun in the kingdom of their father. Uh, This is our calling. Uh, Those who know God will seek uh, this wisdom. They will seek to turn others to righteousness. They will seek to give others understanding to others. Uh, They will seek to bear, as Daniel did, respectful true unflinching witness to the god of heaven and now to our risen lord jesus christ who is coming to establish his kingdom uh, that's our calling let's just pray together lord we thank you we praise you uh, for your insight and we acknowledge that we understand very little and we continue to ask you for understanding We seek wisdom from from you, wisdom from above, wisdom that is gentle and pure, uh, the wisdom that bears much fruit of righteousness, that leads others to righteousness, that gives understanding to others. Help us, Lord, as your people, as end times approach to be faithful, to be alert, to not be afraid, to not be uh, always lost in intrigue and um, conspiracies, but to not fear those things, but to fear you alone and to look alone to you. Lord, we uh, bear our allegiance to the King of Kings, and we ask you for strength to be a faithful people who know their God. In Jesus' name, amen.